Welcome to another thrill-packed edition of Unite, i.e. Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. It is the first show of 2020, a very crucial year. Uh, My name is Greg Britton with the Redlands Tea Party Patriots, and my co-host is not only not in his bunker today, but uh, he he couldn't make it into the studio. Now, in his defense... He's only done four hours of radio thus far today here on Thursday when we're recording because he did he subbed morning answer for three hours and then did his own show for an hour after that and just you know didn't want to bother coming and doing our own little show here on Saturday. But I'm pleased to have Doug Hauser. He's on the leadership team of the Redlands Tea Party Patriots with me, and we're going to be talking to our very special guest, Susan Shelley. Susan is a uh, she's a columnist with the Southern California News Group, and you can find her work all through that. The Redlands Daily Facts, San Marino Sun, Orange County Register, Press Enterprise, and about, I don't know, 15, 20, 25, 30 other newspapers around uh, around Southern California. And uh, she's also, you, her work is also on her own website, susanshelley.com. She's also a vice president with the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. Yay. And uh, We'll see if we can find a few things to talk to about Susan. And the other thing about Susan is this. Well, she, you know, on, on the surface, nice smile, very, just, the, just the, the nicest person you could ever be around. But under that is the heart of a warrior. And we appreciate the combination. And she's also going to be speaking this Thursday night at the Redlands Tea Party Patriots. And I'm, now it's on Saturday. I can report thoroughly that she did an absolutely fantastic job <laughs> last Thursday night. Welcome to the show, Susan. Thank you. It is great to be here, as always. All right. What is, you know, I know you're as a Howard Jarvis. I know that they're always scheming up there in Sacramento for ways to get more of our money. What are, they, what, are they, what are they up to now? It is insatiable. We have a giant budget surplus year after year, and they are trying to raise every tax they can touch. And, of course, they can't touch property taxes because of Proposition 13. So what do you think they're trying to do? They're trying to change Proposition 13. And we are very concerned about it. In January, the legislature may take up ACA 1, Assembly Constitutional Amendment 1. And as you can tell by the name, a constitutional amendment changes Prop 13 because that was a constitutional amendment also. So what they want to do is change the threshold for passing local taxes, which is currently two-thirds. They want to lower it to 55% so that it's easier to pass tax increases. Now, ACA 1 is just for infrastructure and affordable housing. But if you think about it, what is infrastructure? What isn't infrastructure? Everything is infrastructure. They buy a bag of concrete at Home Depot, and they pour it on whatever they're doing, and it's infrastructure, and the tax passes with 55%. Well, also, then they can do the... Court infrastructure from the bond from this bond money that they that they pass or the tax increase, and then the other money gets allocated to that's right other things. That's right because money can move around and they can do budget tricks and they can borrow it from here and pay it back to there or never pay it back and just do bookkeeping or do like they did with the train, just uh, change the criteria of what the money is going to be spent on, and exactly. it's no longer a train that's going to go two hundred miles an hour and get you there in an hour and cover this route. It's whatever they feel like spending the money on all right. of a sudden. And as we know, the Democratic platform in California is wheeze the law in these here parts, <laughs> so they just do whatever they want. I note that a decrease from two-thirds to 55% is 
a bigger decrease than saying, let's pass it with only 48%. <laughs> you know, right. we don't even need a majority. Why not? If a significant plurality approves of it, we could, could we could end up there if that's what they feel like to get more money. They could and as that. you said, the, the demand for money is simply insatiable. If right. they whittle away at Prop 13, of course, in a few years, they'll find out, well, there's still not really enough money to do what we want to do. Mm-hmm. And so we need more taxes to... Uh, Right. To do whatever we feel like doing. And we know so. what's driving this is all of these tax increases because of this huge unfunded pension liability right. that's, su- that's sucking up money for this. So therefore, they have to come back to the people. Here in Redlands, they, they were making the, the city is, wants to get more money for that reason. So they sent out delegations led by the police chief and the fire chief, basically saying, well, you know, if you want adequate response times, you're going to need... We need, we need more money. And they would show this graph of here's the expected revenue line. And above that, here's our, what we need revenue line. And you ask them about what well, the pensions. Oh, yeah, they're already paid for. Of course, they, they just move those down below the existing revenue line. Yes. And put, oh, you want a police officer or a firefighter to respond in an emergency? Let's put that above the right. existing revenue line. Right. And that's what's going on in L.A. County. They're going to put a parcel tax on the March ballot. And even though property tax revenue, locally generated property tax revenue in L.A. County in the last four years has gone from $5 billion to $6 billion, and they could spend some of that money on the fire department, and they must have known how old their fire trucks were four years ago, and they must have been able to calculate how many would have to be replaced, and yet they didn't, and now it's a crisis and now they want a tax increase. Right. And it's always the fire and police services That's that are right. being threatened with the acts. It's never, uh, you know, any social welfare programs right. or, uh, you know, uh, global warming programs. Pension they increase, right. welfare for illegal aliens. Right. Well, in L.A. County, they spent money on, quote, refinements for the Music Center Plaza. I mean, that's very nice, but ahead of ambulances? I don't think so. Right. And it's also in a case like that, who's going to that music center plaza? It's already the upper crust, the richer people. So you're taxing the middle class and and upper lower class people in order to pay for luxuries for the rich people. Exactly. Refinements. Not luxuries, refinements. Now, there is a, however, there is another Prop 13 that's going to be on the March ballot. Yes. Not to be confused with the taxpayer protection right. prop 13 of 1978 right well let me back up and tell you where aca1 is so there's no confusion aca1 is in the assembly it has already been voted down once but it's eligible for reconsideration so call your assembly representatives and say no on aca1 and hopefully that will just die at the end of january or whenever the deadline is for it it we we have to make sure that that does not get across to the senate and does not get on the ballot, because if it gets on the ballot, it only needs a simple majority to pass, and it will raise Mm. taxes forever. So that's ACA1. Now, Prop 13 on the March ballot has nothing to do with Prop 13 for property taxes. It's a giant bond issue for more school construction. It's $15 billion, which is more than we've done before. I think we did $6 billion, and we did $9 billion, and they've spent all that money, and they still haven't fixed the asbestos and the lead paint and whatever else. So they want $15 billion in a giant slush fund for school construction projects. And the, the really tricky thing with this one is it has language in it that allows local school districts to issue more debt than they're currently allowed to issue. And if local school districts want to issue more debt, 
that will wind up on your property tax bill. So this could increase your property taxes. It doesn't directly do it, but it could increase your property taxes. So the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association is against this Prop 13, as odd as that sounds. Right. And I went back, I went back and looked. Since 1998, California voters have approved $53.9 billion in education bonds. For schools. Well, they should have fixed the asbestos by now, don't you think? They should have. And, right. the, and the lead pipes and anything else that they're putting on the ballot that has to be fixed, and this is why you must vote for the money. They think we were all born yesterday. And while some of us were, they're not old enough to vote in most places. Maybe in California they can. I'm not sure. In my uh, everyday life, I'm constantly talking about the school choice issue to uh, friends and, uh, and acquaintances and just people that I don't even know. And I ask people the question of how much does the state of California spend on K-12 through education every year? I have not come across one single person who has come within a thousand points of the correct answer. The correct answer is $82 billion every year. And most people have no conception of how high that amount of money is. And that's just each year, the state of California's budgets, and still we're getting, what, the third lowest test scores in the entire nation. And, uh, you know, just not good results for that money. It's very depressing because every ballot, there's another one of these somewhere in California. There's another one of these tax increases supposedly for the schools. And the money is being sucked up by the union contracts. It's being sucked up by the retirement health benefits and the pensions and expanding the reach of the unions to more different, more kinds of jobs. So that there's, it's not just the teachers union, it's the SEIU it's the Teamsters, it's the school police. They all have unions, they all have union contracts, they all want more, and all of these tax increases come up just as they're about to start negotiations. So the more money they have, the more money they give away, and the schools never improve. Right, and of course, you know, the purpose of unions is not to improve services. The purpose of unions is to aid their members. That's right. So the purpose of a teacher's union is not to help the students or to help the parents. It's to help the teachers. Mm-hmm. That's always been the function of unions. That's why FDR, among many others, even on the left, have been long been against uh, public sector unions because it's an iron triangle of taxpayers, government officials, and the unions. Yes. And I'm not, but I'm not sure that the as to the government employee unions, that's even true anymore, that they're really, I and mean, we've talked to Rebecca Friedrichs, for example, longtime teacher, and uh, she gives very powerful testimony that the purpose of the teachers unions is nothing, has very little to do with benefiting teachers <laughs> and certainly not students. Yeah. It has to do with benefiting the union and benefiting left-wing political causes. You are so right about right. that. I debated somebody when there was a there was Measure EE on the uh, LAUSD ballot uh, last year, and, and we were able to defeat it. And during that campaign, I debated someone from United Teachers Los Angeles, and he finally conceded that it's not about – the tax money is not about education. It's about creating good middle-class jobs – and helping the have-nots, taking from the haves and helping the have-nots with good middle-class jobs. And what he meant by that was expanding the reach of the union contracts to more people to raise the salaries for more people, which sounds like a great thing until you get the bill for it, because (laughs) the same people who are collecting those salaries are also paying these taxes. 
It's too much. Let's remember that the original purpose of unions was to defend the working class person, the individual, from the cold, cruel-hearted capitalist Mm. who would ruthlessly exploit them. But in the case of public sector jobs, there is no cold, cruel-hearted capitalist. It's the taxpayer. It's the taxpayer. And the taxpayer, you know, usually does not object to paying taxes if they get the result that the taxes are actually intended for. If they get good roads, good bridges, high-quality schools, you know, right. safe environment, then... The, How about one of the above? Yeah, yeah or, or any of the above, exactly. <laughs> well, even one of the above in California. But, but something has gone wrong in California in that all those things have gotten worse and worse and worse as the taxes have gone up, up, up. And yeah. where is our representation? That Where are our people? They're all essentially working for the public employee unions, and that is our problem in California. Yeah. Even, even a lot of Republicans are taking money from the, the, the government employee unions. Let's take a pause here. And there is one more main way that they're coming after more of our money this year in 2020, and that's with the, quote, split roll, unquote, and more about that after this word from Ed Hoffman of Summit Funding, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590, The Answer. By now, I'm sure you've all been hearing about the fact that mortgage rates have dropped a whole percentage point in the last 12 months. So what does that mean to you? Well, if you own a home, it means we can possibly, one, reduce your payment, two, pull out cash and pay off other bills, and then further reduce your payment, or three, we can possibly reduce the term of your loan and get your home paid off years earlier than you planned. If you're over 62 considering a reverse mortgage, the lower the interest rates are, the more money you get on a reverse mortgage. And if you haven't even inquired about a reverse, you owe it to yourself to investigate this tremendous financing option. So if you're thinking about any of these, the time to act is now. For more information, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 101268, Arizona ML license number 092-6439, Branch NMLS ID number 
is crazy. And it doesn't really poll very well. So the people who qualified it, and it's the California Teachers Association and similar groups that are backing this, they they qualified one for the 2018 ballot, decided to hold it till 2020. And then they decided it wasn't polling well, and it had some legal problems, and they rewrote it, and they're out getting signatures again. And sometimes you will see them at a table with petitions, and they'll have a big sign. The petition signer and people will have a, a big sign that says protect Prop 13, but it doesn't protect Prop 13. So if you signed one of these by mistake and you want to withdraw your signature, you can do that. Go to hjta.org. You'll see a little flashing red light at the top of the screen that says find out if you mistakenly signed a petition that raises property taxes. And then you can download the form, print it, sign it, mail it to your county registrar. The addresses are on the PDF. Get your signature off of that thing. Could you, re- saw- could you repeat that website? HJTA.org. It's the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association website. You can also Google it, Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association, HJTA.org. Look for the red flashing light and press it. I yeah. just did see a copy of that petition recently, and it's interesting because the whole first part of it is talks about expanding Prop 13 protections, giving yeah. multiple. And some of those things seem like good ideas. And then at the end, in the last sentence, it says, allows for the recalculation of the assessments exactly. and going up. And then the very last line is the most significant one of all, because it says what the effect will be on government revenues. And of course, the effect on government revenues is to increase them by tens of millions to hundreds of millions of dollars. And that means that taken as a whole, it is a tax increase, no matter what they say. Yeah, it's about $13 billion tax increase. But of course, if if you then you have the uh, description by the California Attorney General. That and I don't have exactly in front of me, but it's basically it increases revenue for schools and all good things. Oh yeah, by by changing how business property is assessed. Right now, there are actually two that are out there that are tax increases that affect property taxes. One is sponsored by the California Association of Realtors, and you may have seen this one. It says that it expands the opportunity for older homeowners to take their base value with them to a replacement property. But what it also does is revoke the exclusion from reassessment for property transferred in families. So currently, if, if parents transfer property to children or children transfer property to parents or in some cases grandparents and grandchildren, it is excluded from reassessment. So the property taxes do not go up. This revokes that. And this is sponsored by the California Association of Realtors, and it is the sneakiest thing I have ever seen. They're not even talking about this part of it. This protection for intragenerational transfers was passed by the voters in 1986 by a margin of 75%. And this revokes it and doesn't even mention that it's doing it. Tell, tell me, why would realtors be in favor of such a provision? Well, you'd have to ask them, but this is similar to, to what was on the ballot two years ago. Uh, and they, they apparently they got the legislative analyst or somebody in in Sacramento did a report that said this will cost revenue. This will cost us money because it's a tax break. It expands the tax break, we'll have less revenue. And that, they felt, killed the chances of it passing. So this time they come back and they've got revenue. And where do they get the revenue? They're wiping out the intergenerational transfer. And the only way that you can keep the intergenerational transfer protection is if the person who it's transferred to moves into the home as a permanent as a, as a principal residence. And otherwise, if it's rental property or it's any, any kind of other property, 
it is reassessed to market value. Now, the interesting thing I think about about the the split role, you know, one of the things is that almost most businesses, particularly small businesses, are lease their property, lease their office, lease their business location. And those almost, almost all commercial leases are what we call triple net or pass-through leases, that the tenants pay their proportionate share of expenses like for the landlord, like insurance and property taxes. So if the t- property taxes at the business, at the office building or the shopping center go up, that, that's going to get passed directly 100% on to small businesses. Right. And they'll increase prices. They may, they may not be, and they may go out of business because a lot of them are already struggling because it's, this isn't the only way that why it's difficult to do business in California. Exactly. This is just another huge one on top of that. And, and it, I think if this looks like it's going to pass, you're going to start seeing the exodus before the November election and as well as a, as a drop in commercial land prices. Because if, if you're thinking about buying a per commercial property in California, you go, hmm, I wonder if my property, well, I guess if you buy it, it's going to be reassessed anyways. But you're, the value of it, and you're, which is collateralized on bank loans, that's going to be dropping. Well, it's crazy. It's crazy to raise taxes on every business in California. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and you can see how crazy it is because companies like Facebook and Google and Apple are expanding in other states. Facebook and Google have billion-dollar campuses that they're building or have built in New York because New York, I believe, does incentives for business while we do executions for business. Yeah. That's, our, that's our policy right. in California. And that's part of the reason why California is California's share of total job growth in the United States over the last two and a half years has been very, very minuscule. Right. It's not even proportional to our population size. And the jobs are, there are plenty of jobs, but they're not coming to California for these reasons. And that's a big part of the housing problem. The affordability has two sides. It has the price of the housing and it has the income that you're making to qualify for it. And the incomes in California should be rising much faster than they are, but we are driving businesses out. Now, I think a big question is going to be is what does the Democrat Party and their machine do with this split role initiative? Are are they are they going to get behind it? Are they going to put their get out the vote and ballot harvesting and whatnot behind it and their vote fraud efforts behind it, or are they going to stand back from it, figuring well maybe it maybe it is too much too quickly? Well, I'm hoping that sanity prevails and they pull it off the ballot either because they decide it isn't going to pass or it's too much money or maybe the Janus decision means that they can't they can't hit their union members for more for more fees and, and assessments for political activity because people might drop their union membership and now they can do that and not pay any fees. So I'm hoping that the stars align and the thing is just pulled off the ballot because if it passes, it is economic catastrophe. Interestingly, there was, there was another tax increase initiative that was submitted. This is by the School Boards Association. Yes. And this was going to be a big increase in corporate income tax and individual income tax. Right. And they pulled that. Yes, they did. They pulled that. And that was actually polling a little bit better, according to PPIC, the Public Policy Institute of California poll. That was polling at like 56%, and the split roll was polling at 48%. And neither one of those is really good enough to, to get approval because if there's any accuracy to that once the opposition campaign starts it would drive those numbers down 
Right. Prop 13 is still very, very popular. In fact, I was going to say on the previous uh, issue that that school board issue, I think they called it Prop 13 just because they know Prop 13 is still very, very popular and people will assume it has something to do with the original Prop 13. You know, I thought so. And I asked about it. And the answer I got back was, no, it's just that 13 comes after 12. And that's where we left off last uh, time. But, you story. know, I don't believe it because there's no 13th floor in a hotel or an office building. They can leave it off if they want to. So, who knows? All right. Uh, we are out of time for this half of United IE Radio. Well, fortunately, Susan will be staying with us. We've locked the door. So, even if she wants to get out of here, <laughs> she will not be able to get out until we finish our second half. So, stay tuned. We'll delve into national politics and Susan's own encounter with the powers of be after news and weather and the following messages. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, here on AM590, The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything that you want, or anything that you need between now and your final day on Earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock, right here on AM 590, The Answer. Confident MLS ID number 991 California DRE ID number 102658. Arizona MLO license number 092643. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen, where we annoy liberals every weekend with truth and reason while Russian Prager takes the weekend off. We're visiting here with Susan Shelley, a columnist with the SoCal News Group and a vice president with the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. My usual co-host, Don Dix, had already done four hours of radio this day. We're recording Thursday. He did the morning answer and his own show. So sitting in is a fellow cabinet member from the Residents Tea Party Patriots, Doug Hauser. We were talking in the first half hour about the various ways that the Democrat Party and the government employee unions are trying to get more of our money in California. We're going to turn our focus now to national. And Susan wrote a book after the 2016 election, uh, Why Donald Trump Won. And now we're coming into 2020, and Donald Trump is up for re-election. And um, Susan, do you think you're going to be writing the follow-on, Why Trump Won Again? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's nobody who can beat him. There's nobody who can beat him. If you look at the economic numbers and you look at how he's managing situations in foreign policy, it's going really well. And peace and prosperity reelect presidents no matter who they are, no matter what is going on in the country. If you have peace and prosperity, the fact that the president is rude on Twitter is not going to <laughs> defeat him. Okay. 
I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take the flip side on that. And you may be you end up being right, and I would not be surprised if he wins a very substantial victory, particularly if they appoint, go radical, crazy left like Bernie, like any of them. I, I, well, but particularly particularly Bernie. Okay, one is their side is ginned up with white hot hatred of Donald Trump and everyone who supports him. They're going to turn out. Uh, Ted Cruz said recently, they will crawl over broken glass to vote against Donald Trump. Some of them will. Yes, okay. You have Big Dem Tech, who is who is openly biased in favor of the Democrats, and I think will only become more so because they have suffered no consequences for their political involvement and biases to date. And I would think that coming into the November election, our side is going to be largely or entirely shut out of social media. Robert Epstein, who has studied this and the effect of big dem tech, estimates they could shift 15 million votes in favor of the, in favor of the Democrats. They'll be, they'll be very well financed. Their vote fraud operation, their get out the vote operation will be, will be running irrespective of who the candidate is. And um, you have the mainstream media, of course. And what else, what else do they what else do they have up their sleeves? They, these people will say anything. They will do anything. Will foreign intelligence agencies get involved in the election again? Will our own deep state get involved in the election again? But they did all that, and he won anyway. Okay, but they won't be caught napping this time. They won't. They won't think. Okay, well, he has no chance, and be overconfident of victory. I agree with several of your points. The one that I'm not so sure is that all Democrats have a white hot hatred of Donald Trump. I believe there are many middle of the road Democrats out there who uh, may not like Donald Trump's tweets, as we said, but they look at his policies and go, "Okay, not so bad. And while they perhaps cannot bring themselves to vote for him, I know at least three personal acquaintances, lifetime Democrats, who have looked at the field of Democrats and told me, I am not going to vote for any of those people this time around. I am just going to stay home and not vote. They are so turned off by the by the uh, candidates that the Dems have put up. And I think that may be a widespread belief. I, I've long said that half of the Democrats in the country believe that they are still voting for John F. Kennedy. And they see the Democrat Party as being like Kennedy was, uh, invading Cuba, facing down the Russians over the Cuban Missile Crisis, putting a man on the moon. Cutting taxes. Right. Cutting cutting corporate taxes, especially. And with the intensity of the hatred against Donald Trump, their attention has been drawn to the race in a way that it has not for several uh, cycles. I think most Democrats who voted for Barack Obama did not know anything about who Barack Obama no. was, but they do now see these Democrats and they don't like what they see. Well, and you see, I mean, there is potential. You see the Donald Trump getting his approval rate among African-Americans is over is over 30 percent. Um, it's up among Hispanic a, Americans okay. also. There was just a, there was just a poll that he's beating all the Democrats in Virginia, which was considered to be a, a State, that state's gone. It's lost. It's like Illinois. It's like California. And he's beating all of them except Joe Biden. And there he's behind by about four points. He's ahead of all of them in Michigan. So, yeah, I mean, there are, there are, there are some reasons for we still need to want to hang our heads and say it's hopeless. It's lost. Right. You know, he, we can't win. You but know, there's go ahead. One of the things that you have to look at is the period of time since things were bad. 
if you if you look at when Bill Clinton was elected in 1992, he we had had the Reagan years. It was economically good, and people felt very secure. And they were looking at other issues, and they didn't feel economic threat at their back. But today, the crash of 2008 is recent enough that there are people still financially recuperating from it, trying to get rid of their credit card debt, and trying to restart their careers in whatever they went into after whatever they were in went out. It's too recent. And the idea that you're going to get someone like Elizabeth Warren or or Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders, and they're going to come in and they're going to nationalize health care and they're going to do this Green New Deal kind of policy, even if they don't go all the way, it's very expensive. It's ruining California's economy, our high electricity costs and all these other consequences of our green policies. If they come in and they try to do that, Donald Trump will destroy them. He's not going to do what some of our other Republican candidates have done, which is to say, well, you have a point, but we think you're a little too far with it. Mm -hmm. He's not going to do that. He's going to stand there and say wind energy is not reliable and solar energy, the sun goes down. And he's going to make that point, and he's going to make that point effectively. Right. It's also true that in many of these battleground states, at the current time, at the moment, people have only seen the ads by the Democrats. They have not yet seen the conservative side of the issue presented. They've Very seen true. the Democrats argue with each other about how far left they can go. And in that context, some of those crazy ideas can seem almost plausible. But... Um, I think, for example, you talked about uh, the uh, um, the stats in Virginia. Most of those people who voted, whether it's let's say it's or that thirty seven percent for Warren and fifty percent for Trump, and he's beating them. Those thirty seven percent who are for Warren, they have not sat through an entire Trump speech. For example, all wonder, they know about Donald Trump is a little soundbite. And they, they never heard. will. I wonder if but they no, sat no. through an Elizabeth Warren speech. But, but here's the point yeah. is that when it comes to the general election, whoever the nominee is will have to stand on a stage next to Donald Trump. And the people who support that candidate will have to listen to Donald Trump at that point. And they will have to actually look at their candidate, maybe Joe Biden, and look at Donald Trump and say, one of those is a weak old man who can't make a coherent sentence in English or formulate a thought that he can communicate to us. And the other, while I may think that policy is, you know, he's saying it in a raucous way or whatever, he's not a Nazi. He's not insane. He's not a doddering, feeble old person. And they're going to f- be forced to face that reality that we already know because we've seen both sides of it. Well, you, you may be right. Debate, presidential debates rarely change people's opinion. They come in favoring a particular candidate and it's and what they see in the debate is filtered through what they what they already think and, and believe. And even if they think, well, maybe my guy didn't do a particularly good job tonight, I still like him a lot better than the other guy. But that's tougher to sustain after the second or third night, <laughs> you know, at the second or third debate and when you've seen them. Yeah, yeah. you may be right, and I hope you're right, but there's a very fine line between optimism and complacency agreed and we and and i don't think it could be be, i don't think it could be understated or overstated rather well we're all going to have to work really hard to hold the house and and to hold to to win back the house and to hold the senate we're going to have to work on the down ballot races very hard the point to make is that almost every operative working for the democrats is a professional paid operative whereas the conservative side is almost all volunteers. So anybody out there who's listening and wants to help, any way you volunteer, if you can give an hour a week or an hour every two weeks or two hours a month or whatever it may be, that is a big help to our side. 
And there's, there'll be ways that everyone can help. Yes. Ranging from contributing what you can, you'll be able to make calls from home, you'll be able to make text messages from home. And it may not be in California. California is is not likely to vote for Donald Trump for president. <laughs> but uh, you, we, we, we can, you can call, text, and write to people in, in, in other states. And our Redlands Tea Party patriots will be having programs in all of those areas. So there's no matter what you do, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, no matter what time you have to give, Everyone can do something, and I don't think it can, can be the importance can be overstated. That and sounds it, like something Churchill once said, I believe. <laughs> the if the Democrats get the presidency and both houses of Congress, January 21, 2021, they will pass a mass amnesty that is going to cover, they won't say this, it's going to cover 20 to 40 million illegal aliens and new Democrat voters, and it is game, set, and match. They will rule ever, forever is a long time, but as far as the eye can see. And California will look like Texas before they're done with the country. Yeah. And, and politically, in terms of where it is politically, because they're just go, they'll go further and further left, and there'll be nothing, there'll be no force, to, there'll be no countervailing force to stop them because of this influx, massive influx of foreigners who... Yeah, how much do you, how much should we raise taxes on the on those Americans to give you free stuff? Right, and I defy anybody to make a claim that California is better off with one party rule over the last twenty years. Oh, it's a catastrophe! <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's a catastrophe. All right, let's take a pause here now that we have reached a firm consensus that Donald Trump may win in twenty twenty <laughs> if we all work our you know what's off. <laughs> uh, after this word from All Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly. The king is a wreck and roll. Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. AM590, the answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. Uh, uh, Doug Hauser from the Redlands Tea Party Patriots is guest hosting for Don Dix, who has already done four hours of radio uh, this, this Thursday when we're recording. And we are visiting with Susan Shelley, who is a columnist with the SoCal News Group and a vice president with the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. And I want you guys to know that I just saw on the, uh, on the news this morning that the Democrat Party is promising that if you like your single-family house, you can keep your single-family house. <laughs> so rest assured. being. Sadly true, <laughs> yes. Sadly true. Now, but, but of course, but that's not true. And and Susan, you just wrote a a, a column recently mm-hmm. on this subject. Yes, I've been writing about this quite a bit. There's there's a bill that the governor signed, AB sixty eight, which effectively ends single family zoning in the entire state of California, the whole mm-hmm. state. All of a sudden, every single family home, every single family lot can have three residences on it by right. 
and they do not have to have any parking spaces, and it doesn't matter if there's enough water and electricity for tripling the density. It doesn't matter if there's noise. It does nothing. The cities can do nothing about it. The state has just come in with its big foot and stomped all the city governments and said, you must allow three residences on every single family lot. So it's the main house, it's a granny flat modular in the backyard, and it's a garage or, or bedroom conversion into a separate unit. They're, you're calling them granny flats, but is there any limitation that the people who doesn't move have to be these, granny. No, it does not have, have to be, to be granny. related? No, it could be just anybody. And that's, just but that's how they got a... it through with no one paying attention, is they called them granny flats. Right. And, and what they've done in several bills, the governor signed a stack of them, and when you put them all together, here's what we've got. Three residences by right. The owner does not have to live on site. There doesn't have to be any parking. The cities cannot do anything about it. They can't raise the fees. They can't. They have to do quick ministerial approvals of these permits. And essentially, because there are these modular things available, this can happen to you tomorrow, where both of your neighbors on each side of you decide, well, we want the revenue, and they plop these things down in the backyard. And now people are not going to live in their 300, 400-square-foot house without going outside. So everybody's sitting in the yard, music, conversation, everybody's on their phone. It's noise. It's it's Parking it, problems. Parking problems. It, and they can all be short-term rentals. They can all be Airbnb. So then it's a party every weekend. Right. Wait until the summer comes and they all turn on their air conditionings. We're going to have massive rolling blackouts exactly. throughout the entire state. And then the sewers are not going to be adequate and the water's not going to be adequate. And then what? They're going to want tax increases. They're going to want to dig up the streets. Because this is totally insane. Yeah. This was not really discussed in Sacramento, this was not fleshed out in committee hearings. This was just slipped through in the sneakiest, most diffused way possible so that when you look at the whole stack at once, you can see what they did, and there was no reasoning behind it. Okay, there I'm going to differ with you. They know exactly what they're doing. It is not insane. It is a conscious and intentional policy to fundamentally change how people live in, in the country. This is happening all over the country where Democrat and left-wing controlled cities and states are taking action to try to get rid of single-family homes and neighborhoods with single-family homes. This is happening in Virginia now. It's happened in Seattle. It's happened in Minneapolis and other places. Right. So that so the, it 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 is it is well thought out policy. Well, that's it, true. Right. And of course, the irony is that uh, the American dream has always been to have your family's home in a nice neighborhood. That is sort of the essence of the American dream. And in the name of defending the American dream, they are destroying it. And of course, part of the re- is always it's racist. Yes. Single, any, fa- any single, opposition. Single family single family homes are now racist. Yeah. Well, that's crazy. But possibly, and Joel Kotkin wrote an article on a month or two ago about this about this agenda, and it really is under want to change people from owning your own home, having your own property, whether that appreciates. So if you own it for thirty, forty, fifty years, it appreciates substantially in most jurisdictions. Maybe it won't in California, given where how things are going, but historically it has. Into changing them into renters who will always be paying rent and will never own real property, will never own property for themselves. So, of course, their attachment to the idea of property rights. Well, why do I care about property rights? Now, I don't own property and I have no prospect of owning property. 
And not only that, we know, again, traditionally, the higher the rate of home ownership in a community, the better off that community is. It gives you better education systems. It gives you lower crime rates. There are all kinds of benefits when the people who live there own there and they feel a solid connection to the place, not like they could be evicted the next week or they might move uh, to another state. And so what they vote on here doesn't really matter to them so much. Now, I think the other other reason behind this is this. Democrats voters tend to be concentrated in urban areas and they make an inefficient use of their voters. So their, so their candidates may win with 70, 80, 90 percent in those districts, which is way more than they need to. So I think another part of their purpose in doing this is to move their voters out into other areas. So now instead of having one house, one family with maybe a mom and a dad and uh Two Republican voters. You now have the House and the th- two other and two other units occupied by who knows how many Democrat voters. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all great on paper, but politically speaking, I think they've gone too far with this because when you bang on the door of a single-family house and say we're now going to ruin your neighborhood for the sake of the planet, which is essentially what they're doing. They say they can't build housing and outlying areas because all that driving is bad for the climate, it's bad for the planet, and we're all going to fry to death. This is the argument. But this is bogus. This is bogus. Nothing we do in California makes any difference for the global climate. So what we're doing is driving up our own costs, driving up our own density, driving up our own traffic, creating social friction, because when you crowd people, you get social friction of all kinds. We're doing all this for no reason at all. And I think the Democrats have gone too far with this AB 68 kind of policy. Right. I worry that the homeowner will not realize what has happened until it's too late. Well, that's true. And the homes, the single family homes that currently exist will be bought by what used to be called speculators who will be buying it not with the intention of living there, but with the intention of building two more units on it and and turning it into an apartment complex. This is now, this is a new Wall Street product. These are, there are bonds that are backed by single family rental properties. And this has been happening since the 2008 crash when there were all those depressed prices and investments. Investors came in and they bought up all this inventory and they securitized it, which is how we got into trouble in the first place. <laughs> they securitized it. They started selling these things on Wall Street. We have that now. So there are companies, there are publicly traded companies and privately held companies that buy single family homes and hold them as rental properties. They have an obligation to their shareholders to maximize the revenue. And Gavin Newsom has just allowed them to have three residences on one lot. Okay. What in France, the you have the yellow jacket protests and rebellions, and this has been going on for months. It was the fuel, the last fuel increase to whatever it was. They could take it up another to six dollars, seven dollars, whatever it was per gallon of gas, and that was too much for them. And -hmm. the people, in essence, rebelled. But what does it take here in California? You have these high taxes, lousy schools, lousy roads, not enough water, water, very strict water rationing is coming in 2022. Uh, Rolling blackouts. Highest gas prices in the country, you know, you're over $4 a gallon in places. Uh, the, the difference between California and the rest of the country in gas prices is at a, is at a record level. Energy prices, 60 to 70% for, for residential above the national average and so on and so on and so on. You know, and, the, and the Democrats see this. They get, they get no effective opposition. What is, I mean, is, there, is there a point where people say, that's enough. And, and thus far, I, I see no sign. 
that, that any substantial. I mean, we all we're all attuned to this, and we're, and we're all still opposed. But I see no substantial sign in California that their voters. Any of their voters are going, hey, this is too much. I'm going to vote for some Republicans this time. Well, I do see a sign of that, but it's a bad sign. And the sign is that California has lost so much population. We're about to lose a congressional seat. People have, instead of voting to vote the these people out of office and get in some sensible people, they're voting with their feet and leaving the state. So that's leaving us in you know a horrible bind. It shows that people are aware that the state is being mismanaged, but instead of fighting and improving the management of the state, they're simply fleeing to a better managed state and taking their businesses and jobs with them. And maybe and maybe let Susan weigh in here. Maybe part of us also is is the total lack of election integrity in California well, that you've is, also written about. There is a lack of election integrity. There's there are severe problems in California. You know there are 15 states that don't have any form of voter ID. 35 states require an ID, some a photo ID, some not a photo ID. 35 states require some kind of voter ID to vote. California, New York, and Illinois do not. Hmm. Wow. What a coincidence. What a coincidence. (laughs) They just happen to have the highest taxes. They're all losing population. Why are people voting for these terrible policies and these people who implement these high taxes and these terrible decisions? Maybe they're not. Maybe the headstones are voting. Yep. Maybe the headstones have bad judgment about politicians. Yes, my grandmother voted Republican her whole life, and then she died and started voting Democrat. And hasn't missed an election since. (laughs) I mean, you see these things where people are, you know, 100, 100 plus years old and, and they're voting or you know, 27 voters are registered at a dog park. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's in your face. At this moment, I'm going to put in a shameless plug for the IFE, the Institute for Fair Elections. Please, if you are interested in this issue, go to their website, and they have very efficient methods of fighting against voter fraud. Um, They need to be transformed into a very large-scale operation, and currently they're sort of a small-scale operation. But uh, the way they do it is to leverage manpower in a very good way. So anybody who wants to do that, that's the IFE, the Institute for Fair Elections. Hey, Susan, last thoughts. Well, I think it's really important that people stay involved and keep trying and keep talking to people. Write letters to the editor, call your neighbors, post on Facebook, share other people's posts on Facebook. Get the word out. People need to know they're not alone in their thoughts against these kinds of policies. They are Join the Redlands Tea Party Patriots. You're stronger with fellow freedom-loving, America-loving Americans than you are by yourself. That's all the time we have this week. Tune in next week for another exciting edition of Unite, i.e. Radio. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, CarStar, All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is CarStar, All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. CarStar, All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll. 951-279-9161. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. By now, I'm sure you've all been hearing about the fact that mortgage rates have dropped a whole percentage point in the last 12 months. So what does that mean to you? Well, if you own a home, it means we can possibly, one, reduce your payment, two, pull out cash and pay off other bills, and then further reduce your payment, or three, we can possibly reduce the term of your loan and get your home paid off years earlier than you planned. If you're over 62 considering a reverse mortgage, the lower the interest rates are, the more money you get on a reverse mortgage. And if you haven't even inquired about a reverse, you owe it to yourself to investigate this tremendous financing option. 
So if you're thinking about any of these, the time to act is now. For more information, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 10126583. Arizona MLO license number 0924399. Branch NMLS ID number 1841782. Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number 31998. Arizona license number 0925837. Equal housing opportunity.